ಶಕ್ತಿಯಾಸದಾಂಡೇಹಂತ್ರಿಪುರಾರಿಕಾಯತಿಪ್ರಭುಪಾಧ್ಯಾಮ ಶಕ್ತಿಯವೇಶಸ್ವರೂಪಿಣೇಶ್ವಾಚಾರ್ಯಪ್ರಭಾರ್ಜಯ್ಯಾಕಾರುಣ್ಯಮೂರ್ತ
our our Guru Maharaj's um, godbrothers have, who were with him in his early days uh, in ISKCON, were saying that it, it was kind of uh, kind of scary and challenging to be around him because he was not like everyone else. That he was kind of having ups and downs in his um, service. He was um, always uh, kind of serving with full force uh, kind of from day one. And uh, as he has uh, talked about it himself, he kind of calls it uh, to, to hit the ground running. It's a saying in English um, that, um, not sure how it will be in Spanish, but yeah, that you, that as soon as you hit the ground, you're on your way very fast. So I wanted to talk about um, kind of philosophically about uh, how his previous life much have been, uh, must have been uh, for him to be able to uh, hit the ground running in this life. And I think um, we can find kind of the secret to this in um, the sixth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. Um, because it, it talks about how, um, how we, we practice spiritual practice in one life, and then we, we pick up from where we left off uh, when we take birth again, because it's a process that takes many lives. And um, uh, But to be able to to kind of have steadiness from the, um, so obviously to, to, to have uh, steadiness and taste already from the beginning uh, in this life means that uh, he would have had to have developed steadiness and, ta and taste in his previous life. And so I wanted to kind of talk about the kind of um, consistency uh, you have to have to, um, to achieve such uh, steadiness. Um, and there's, um, uh, there was one uh, answer in a Swami call that I found like very striking. Uh, so I would like to, to like read that because it kind of describes the kind of life you have to live to be able to, uh, to start from the point that Guru Maharaj did, did in this life. So I will see if I can share this uh, document here. So I will read and um, you can follow along if you want to hear. So the question was, in your commentary to Bhagavad Gita, chapter 6, text 35, you write, one must practice restraining the mind. Spiritual practice, sadhana, is the emphasis of this entire chapter. There is no replacement for spiritual practice. Detachment involves a lifestyle in which one abstains from those things that tend to disturb the mind. Without such detachment, 
one's practice will be like pouring water in a leaking bucket. Whatever gains are made are simultaneously lost rather than accumulated. So the person is asking exactly what is one losing here? And Guru Maharaj answered, your question maybe arises from the fact that in the beginning of his discourse on yoga in the second chapter, where it all begins and later culminates in the sixth chapter, Krishna says, Nihabhikrama nashosti pratyavayuna vidyate svalpam apiasya dharmasya trayate mahatobhayat. This verse, when understood properly, is really about bhakti. It begins with bhakti yoga and ends with bhakti yoga in the sixth chapter. It's not that you lose your bhakti. He speaks about different types of yoga uh, in between and so forth, but bhakti is ultimately what he wants to speak about. The reason that text uh, 240 is about bhakti is that the results are permanent, whereas the results from, uh, from what is, uh, sorry, the results that are derived from something under the influence of Rajaguna, which would be uh, karma or, um, or sattvaguna, that would be jnana, aren't eternal. That which is derived from the nirguna influence, an influence beyond the modes is going to be eternal. Therefore, when it says it's never lost and that whatever you gain will save you from the greatest danger, it must be speaking about bhakti, its implication. And so here now, towards the end of the sixth chapter, there is the comment that you're questioning about. It's not that you lose your bhakti. The point is that sadhana is a lifestyle. It's not just sitting. How you walk will determine how you sit. How you sit will determine how you walk. So if you sit and pay attention to when you move about and do, do the things that you otherwise have to do in the world, in life, it would be all in consideration of what you what you have experienced during sitting. And as a result, you're not going to be interacting in such walking with sense objects without that experience being anchored to your practice and trying by that to contact the sense objects with a view to engage them in the pleasure of Krishna. So I see a beautiful flower and I think, ah, oh, that would be nice to offer to my deity, for example. Without doing that, without walking, so, so to speak, properly, then you can't sit properly. If you can't sit properly, then you can't walk properly. It doesn't mean to say that your bhakti will be lost, that it's a waste of time, but it's like you're building something up and you're tearing it down, just making that much more work for yourselves. You're not making progress. Progress is not lost in bhakti, but you're not making any progress because your walking contradicts your sitting. Your sitting doesn't facilitate walking in such a way. They should complement one another. If they are not, then are you really doing sadhana? Sadhana is the attempt to turn the sadhaka deha, the practitioner's body, from material to spiritual by, again, as I said, contacting with one's senses that the body is constituted of, with sense objects, rather than for the pleasure of the senses, continuing to foster my material identity, my likes and dislikes for the pleasure of Krishna, which will foster another identity, 
an internal identity. If we sit and then we go out and contradict that, then how are we making progress? I guess that's the idea. You take medicine, okay, good. And then you go out and you indulge in the things that you're meant to fast from. You're supposed to take medicine and you're supposed to fast from certain foods, but you take medicine and then eat the food. You're lighting a fire, you're pouring water on it. You're lighting, you're pouring, <laughs> sorry, here I did some mistakes, but the idea, he's saying three times, you're lighting a fire and then you're pouring water on it. The point I'm trying to tell you is that you're not getting anywhere. You are walking up the down escalator. You're going through the motions, but you're not making any progress. Um, it's not to say that whatever bhakti is there is lost, but there isn't much bhakti there. So, um, then to, to kind of balance with this, um, there is also an, an emphasis in the sixth chapter uh, oh, emphasis. I mean, it's mentioned in the, in the sixth chapter that uh, one, one also has to uh, have balance in one's practice and recreation. Uh, so it's not that one just has to do hardcore practice all the time, um, but one has to uh, do recreation in a way that it doesn't pour water on the fire of one's practice. Um, so there are some kind of balancing statements here. Here's a nice uh, article that I recommend everyone to read uh, by Guru Maharaj. So I will put it in the chat. And we will get back to the So I will read uh, two quotes from that article. Uh, that if, if the previous kind of text sounded uh, kind of heavy and discouraging, there is <laughs> there is uh, a balance, but like the balance should be a balance, and not that you like tip over and like on the on the side of uh, pouring water on the fire. Uh, for one whose life goal is enlightenment and divine love, yogic perfection, there is a place for holidays both in terms of taking a controlled break from one's direct practice and in terms of taking a holiday in general. Holidays can be seen as an opportunity to reflect on how one has been spending one's days and such reflection can lead to reorienting oneself, to take advantage of all that life has to offer, to find the significance and sacredness in each and every day. Thus for one who's, uh, Life goal is enlightenment and divine love. Uh, wait, this is the same. Ah, I lost the other quotes. Let's...
Sorry, I'm going to find it again here. So, um, when the Bhagavad Gita instructs us to factor recreation into the equation of our yogic practice, it suggests that confronting the mind head on is not always the best approach. In order to successfully harness the mind, one must learn to work with the mind rather than against the mind. One has to allow it some room to roam even as one seeks to bring it under one's control. So. So th this simply says something about um, uh, the kind of um, uh, seriousness Guru Maharaj must have had in his practice in his previous life. And um, it's not, we're gonna look at um, like some details he has uh, shared about his early life. Um, sometimes in lectures here and there, he will like mention some, some childhood memories that try to kind of gather those here into one place. Um, and um, just kind of as, as, a, uh, as a fun fact, kind of uh, like some like connection with India, uh, in his family was that his um, father, some years before he was born, was um, serving in the in the U.S. Army, and he was stationed in uh, somewhere in Bengal, I think, in Calcutta for for some time. And Guru Maharaj mentioned that his father uh, got um, sick of eating rice during his time in India, <laughs> so so they never ate rice. Um, let's see, I need to do a share screen again. And so here is um, the building where Guru Maharaj was born. Uh, it has a very auspicious name, which is uh, the Holy Name Hospital. So it was, uh, uh, it's a Catholic hospital in uh, New Jersey. And let's see if I can click here, there's, yes, here is um, Parmanabha Maharaj visiting the building the way it looks uh, today. So as you can see, it has been um, rebuilt a bit, but it's still the same uh, hospital. And uh, let's, uh, let's see here. Here is Guru Maharaj uh, two weeks after he was born. Um, I, was, I was trying to find out um, what Prabhupada was doing on the day that Guru Maharaj was born. And I was uh, lucky to find, because there were some there are some kind of archived letters that Prabhupada sent, and 
in the year 1949, which is Guru Maharaj's birth year, and he was he was born the day before Gora Purnim. Um, so there are like five archived letters from Prabhupada um, from 1949, and one of them just happened to be written on Gora Purnim, and he was talking about what he was doing the day before. So <laughs> uh, I was happy to find uh, what Prabhupada was doing on the exact day that Guru Maharaj was born. Uh, so he was at one uh, gathering in Calcutta and, and doing some preaching and um, in uh, to kind of connect with what we were talking about before. It was interesting because he was, um, Prabhupada was writing a letter to the host of that gathering and telling him, like quoting from the sixth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita that um, uh, that this person named uh, Jagannath Babu must have uh, must have kind of inherited uh, samskaras from uh, like spiritual samskaras from previous lives and of course it just made me think of Guru Maharaj and, uh, and, and Prabhupada was also of course very absorbed in uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu on those days so he was he was writing a lot about Jaitanya Mahaprabhu in that letter to, to Jagannath Babu um, let's Yeah, so, and here is Guru Maharaj at around four or five years of age, I think. Um, uh, some have commented it, that it looks like he's sitting on the Vyasa-san already. <laughs> um, and here, Guru Maharaj has said that um, uh, he and his friends, when he was a kid, they used to, this is the, the dairy, uh, the, the dairy company that this was, that was like delivering milk to, uh, to his house in Chicago, because they moved to Chicago at some point. I'm not sure how young, uh, what age Gurumach was, but his family moved to Chicago from, from New Jersey when he was a child. And there they, the, the milk delivery company was called Bowman, like an archer. Um, and Guru Maharaj and his friends, they used to um, kind of jump up on the back of the truck. Um, and uh, when the driver would like notice them, he would, he would stop the truck and get off and he would, he would give them strawberry milk. And uh, and I'm, I'm making some connections here. Like, you know, you know Guru Maharaj was born in, in uh, the Holy Name Hospital. Uh, so of course that's an easy connection to make. But here, like, like when I see that the, the dairy company was called Bowman, I think of this um, uh, nice quote from the, the Gita Mahatmya. Sarvopani shado gavo dogda gopala nandana 
Partuvatsa Sudhir Bhokta Dugdam Gita Amritam Mahat. Uh, about the Bhagavad Gita that because when I hear Bowman I think of Arjuna and putting Arjuna and milk together that I think of this verse uh, that says this Gita Upanishad Bhagavad Gita the essence of all the Upanishads is just like a cow and Lord Krishna who is famous as a coward boy is milking this cow Arjuna is just like a calf and learned scholars and pure devotees are to drink the nectarian milk of the Bhagavad Gita. So <laughs> it's, it's just nice to kind of look at everything in Guru Maharaj's life and kind of um, try to see it in a, in a spiritual uh, light as, as he does also like all, like all his memories that he's sharing, he's, he's, he's like always making some kind of philosophical point in, in connection to it. Like there is the example of uh, when he's talking about sadhana bhakti, that that sadhana bhakti is a kind of uh, imitation of bhava bhakti, that we are kind of doing what we see, what we see the bhava bhaktas do. Like like for example, like in a uh, in a positive way. I'm not meaning like sahaja, but for example, that bhava bhaktas are are chanting japa out of bhava, and and so, so we also chant Japa because we understand that Krishna will like that. So Guru Maharaj tells like a childhood memory of um, that if um, if a girl was in love with a boy, then she would find out his favorite color, and she would wear that color. Um, and she so she so she would like show up at the, at the school bus. Uh, bus stop in the morning wearing like for example red and maybe having an apple with her if, if she uh, if she knew that the boy likes apples um guru Maharaj has also told kind of sweet stories of how they were how the boys and girls were kind of um uh falling in love with each other and uh like writing each other's initials um, on the back like on the back of the seats in the school bus and he told about his his like first love relationship like that that um some girl had like written her and his initials in a heart so it was kind of like that they were a couple now but it, there was nothing more more than, than that to it than the writing of the heart on the in the school bus, but then, and like so after some days, she had like she had written some other initials, so he understood that now their relationship was over. So he was uh, devastated. So he went to his mom, and and so she said that that was his his first like philosophical lesson in life that his mom would uh, kind of try to console him by. Uh, telling him that there is a bigger picture and, <laughs> and that's so like when you're feeling like this, you have to kind of step back and see the bigger picture. Um, also, um, Guru Maharaj has, has said that when, when he was eight years old, he was expressing to his parents that he had, he had an interest in yoga and like yoga 
was existing in uh, in the U.S. at that time, but it was not something that like he and his parents had heard about. So it, it was <laughs> like um, apparently uh, like samskaras, uh, like um, spiritual samskaras coming up from from previous lives. Um, he was also like uh, he has also said that he. One time in school, he saw an Indian woman wearing a sari in the corridor, in the school corridor, and that he was very, um, um, I say, like enchanted <laughs> by seeing that. Um, let's see some other another childhood memory he has brought up sometimes is. Um, uh, it's about ice, ice skating with, with uh, one of his brothers. Uh, he, I think he connects th this story to uh, Bhagavad Gita 7.14, that um, you cannot overcome material nature on your own, own strength, but if you surrender to Krishna, then it's easy to overcome Maya. And um, because he when he was ice when he was going to ice skate with his brother, then, then there were other uh, kids uh, there on on the lake who would uh, who would like bully him and his brother. So 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 they weren't able to go ice skating peacefully. But so one time they brought their father, and then like then those other boys couldn't do anything. So if you have this kind of higher backing, then you can be, um, you can kind of act very uh, boldly in this world. Um, another example I thought was funny was uh, that when Guru Maharaj speaks about uh, Krishna and Balaram going to uh, Kamsa's uh, wrestling arena, to uh, wrestle with uh, Chanura and Mustika. He says that Krishna and Balaram were so small and Chanura, Chanura and Mustika are, uh, are so like uh, giant. Then he, uh, he remembered watching wrestling on TV as a kid and there was a wrestler called uh, Haystacks Calhoun and uh, who was, um, uh, I think his, he weighed something like 300 uh, kilograms, this wrestler. So Guru Maharaj was saying that it, it was like Krishna and Balaram fighting against Chanura and Mustika uh, would like look like, like an eight-year-old or something uh, going up against someone like this Haystacks Calhoun. Um, and now that I say um, watching TV, then I, I remember something Guru Maharaj has shared, and it was that um, uh, his grandmother, when when Guru Maharaj's parents, when, when Guru Maharaj's mom was pregnant with him, uh, uh, his grandmother wanted it to become a girl, but of course uh, he was a boy, so she was treating him uh, badly. For example, like he, she would, um, uh, if if like 
if she was like doing something fun with his siblings, uh, he would just have to stay stay in his room. And uh, <laughs> she, um, he has talked about how like experience, experiences like that could have made him uh, kind of um, psychologically dysfunctional, but he said that he uh, he was lucky to uh, just like understand uh, from early age that that she was simply wrong in how she was behaving. Um, and he he also mentioned that he believes that uh, uh, she later uh, took birth and is now one of his disciples. So <laughs> uh, that's kind of funny to think about also. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, I'm going to read something just very short. Guru Maharaj wrote um, about, being, about his childhood. He said, I was very independent minded. But if in my estimation I found a genuine authority in any particular field of my interest, I became very submissive to that person in an effort to learn from them and to serve them. I was born in a Catholic family. And when I first learned about religion, I naturally thought I should become a priest. At confirmation, I chose St. Francis of Assisi as my patron saint. So um, that was, um, uh, like he said there, at, at confirmation, it, it was a, a tradition there in the, in the Catholic uh, school and church that you, 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 you select your, your kind of favorite saint and that becomes your patron saint and you get to have his name, um, uh, like not legally, but at least in the like church and school documents, um, you have their name as your middle name. So his birth name was um, Thomas Bordry. And so he was then Thomas Francis Baudry uh, from that time. And uh, this is also interesting, like St. Francis um, of Assisi is a, is a very special Catholic saint. It said he, he was very connected to, to nature. Um, there are stories, for example, that he was uh, preaching to birds and the birds were like sitting on him and he was calling them as his sisters. Um, one time there was like uh, a wolf coming to one city and uh, attacking people, uh, also kind of eating animals from the farmers. Um, so uh, St. Francis was kind of mediating between the wolf and the and the people of the village um so that uh, the wolf wouldn't harass them anymore if if they would um if the people would feed the wolf and um and guru Maharaj has also kind of exhibited similar things like he has he has talked about how sometimes when he is alone um uh, in Madhuvan, uh, in his cabin, 
like sometimes he goes for walks around his cabin and he's uh, talking to the trees, uh, like both that he's um, kind of chanting to the trees, but also that he's learning things from them, like asking them things and hoping that they will share some, some secrets with him. And, uh, and also one time he was mediating between two um, uh, iguanas, uh, lizards that were fighting. Uh, okay, so uh, going on from there, uh, Guru Maharaj writes, but in Catholic high school, the lack of good character and example in the priests who are the teachers turned me away from the faith. From there, I entered the counterculture and looked eastward for spirituality. After seeing through the false promise of spirituality in uh, hallucinogenics, and again, the, the yes, yeah, so, so he so he turned from the Catholic Church and turned to the kind of um, the counterculture at that time, the, the so-called uh, the hippie culture. But he found that there also like that there was a, a false promise there as well. Because uh, there was like a lot of emphasis on hallucinogenic drugs and there was not many people to uh, look up to in that culture. Uh, one example he has given there was, it was actually the first time he saw devotees uh, was also the same time where he uh, kind of uh, lost his faith in the in the, in the counter culture, and it was that he he was on his way to the to the famous uh, Woodstock festival, and he saw devotees uh, dancing in the rain, and Kurumaj said that he was um, very impressed by uh, by, by how they that they looked like they were um very light like they were kind of dancing and jumping and being kind of very light kind of like deer like how deer are jumping and at the same time he saw people there who um were trying to 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 cheat others by 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 selling tickets to the woodstock festival uh which actually was, uh, was a free festival um, so he, he was very kind of turned off by uh, these people who are kind of supposed to be spiritual, but uh, lacking. Um, then Guru Maharaj says, Then I found hope in the Mahamantra and its promise printed on the back of a package of incense. Uh, so on this incense package, it said, chant this mantra and your life will be sublime. And he says, I held on to this promise and it eventually brought me to Prabhupada. So, so he was saying how that he was, um, uh, after he had found, found this, found this Mahamantra on this uh, incense package, uh, 
he came to a point where he was very tired of hearing people talking because he could kind of see through that people were just talking to, to hear themselves talk and they were not really interested to hear what the others were saying. Um, um, so so he, he took a vow of silence, but he was chanting the, the Maha Mantra mentally. And um, uh, somewhere around this time, he, he decided to, to go to Jamaica to meditate. Uh, he also, he had a wife at this time. And uh, so they went together to, to Jamaica. And, and I think it's on the way there that um, they were stopping. They, they were going through Miami. I think they were flying from uh, Miami. So they were first um, stay, staying the night there before the flight. And they were uh, staying at some, some, some people's house. Like in, in these times, it was common to just, um, for people am among the, like in the hippie culture to just sleep, sleep at each other's houses. Like you just found some hippies and you slept at their house. Like you didn't have to know them. Um, and uh, he said that they were all uh, depressed. Uh, well, he was a very kind of uh, positive person. They were, they, they all seemed very depressed and he was wondering why. So, so they said, because one, uh, another year, it was, the, it was New Year's Eve and they said that one, uh, another year has passed and we have not yet attained um, enlightenment. And um, there in their house, Guru Maharaj saw um, the Krishna book in the bookshelf and, and he was attracted to it because it, it looked very different because it's uh, like Krishna is spelled K-R-S-N-A with dots under the R-S and N in, the, in this very big letters. And so, so he, he took out the book from the bookshelf and they and uh, the people there, they told him, yes, like, that's, that's something for you. Like, I think, like, you belong with them. Um, so, uh, but then the next day he, he went to, to Jamaica and he was staying there for some time, but he said that after some time, after a while that um, he had built a, uh, a hut there in the mountains for meditating, but the weather was too strong and his hut was, he uh, kept uh, falling apart. So after a while he was um, kind of tired of the austerities there. So, so they went back, he and his wife to, to the US and going again through Miami. And then Guru Maharaj visited for the first time uh, the temple. Uh, at an Iskand temple, and um, uh, there he 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 has uh, he has told that story sometimes of how um, how he kind of got his first impression of uh, the kind of love that uh, Prabhupada's disciples had for Prabhupada because he was asking he was asking them why they shave their heads uh, and they were just saying because Prabhupada shaves his head. 
and he said it's uh, he said it's not a, a very good answer in, in a sense but but it's, it's still uh, kind of attractive that, that they had that kind of love for Prabhupada. Um, so um, then when he was going back to because he was living in California at this time. So when he was going back from Florida to, to California, uh, he was he was reading from the Krishna book that he had gotten from those um, people, and he was he was reminded of Krishna when he was when he saw the the fields of cows that were like along along the way. So he, he was it was kind of like a meditation on Krishna for him. And then when he, when he came to um, uh, let's see what this is. Uh, I think Santa Cruz in California, he, he started preaching from the Krishna book. So he was giving lectures uh, on the Krishna book um, to his friends. And one of his friends gave him um, uh, a saffron colored uh, sheet to wear because th this, this friend had, was, was usually just putting on that um, it was kind of like a dhoti, but just made from from a bed sheet. Uh, when he, whenever he saw devotees doing harinam, he he was putting this sheet on and dancing with them. But when he heard Guru Maharaj preaching, then he said, "Like, I think you, he was saying, I think you should have this um, this cloth." And um, so after after some time of 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 preaching in Santa Cruz, uh, somehow the devotees in the nearest temple found out, like, uh, so, so, uh, that there was so, someone uh, preaching from from Prabhupada's books, um, but like not um, belonging to any temple or anything, just like doing independently. Um, so they, so these devotees, they they went to. To find him, and they told him um, uh, that that he, <laughs> like, because of course they had a lot of standards and things that he was not following. So, so he was. They were telling him that you have to you have to come and you have to come and join the temple. Um, so he was um, he was happy to uh, like he didn't take. Like he he was not um, upset or anything. He he took it as a blessing and he uh, moved into the temple. And so from there we will continue next time. So does anyone have any comments? Like maybe others have. Um, Things that I have forgotten to to mention that may, maybe that Guru Maharaj has shared about his early life. Is he Guru Nishta is on him? He must have. He must know more details. Haribo. Haribo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other day. Uh, 
we were driving and we started talking about, I started asking questions of Gromarch's uh, childhood and stuff. And uh, he told a really funny story. He, uh, you might actually know this, but anyway, he said that he somehow can, like, naturally took this like leader position with the, all the neighborhood kids. Mm. And I guess he was, he was already back then, he was very bold, like he's known to be. And uh, so <laughs> they would go around, they lived in this kind of like a new, uh, what would you call it? Uh, new uh, suburb that a lot of new houses were being built. So they would go around in the night and steal all this um, <laughs> construction stuff. <laughs> and then they would go to the woods and build these like big uh, castles, like tree ha- tree houses and stuff. Mm. And then eventually they got caught and then their dads had to pay for all the materials. It was like a lot of money back then, <laughs> worth a lot of stuff. And they were just kids, like probably 10 or younger or something like that. And there's many good stories, but that I, I, somehow mm. I really like that one. <laughs> That's one I hadn't heard, but, but it, it reminded oh. me now of that he, I think, it was maybe when he was still in, in New Jersey, but that he was he was catching snakes and putting them in jars. <laughs> I've never heard that one, but I'm yeah. not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, I'll think about some other ones too. There's so many any right now. I'll let yeah. you know. Okay. Oh yeah, another one came to my mind. Yes. So you mentioned earlier that um, that like he he had said that if he felt like there was a, like a good authority in any field that he was interested in, then he would become really submissive. So he said that he was he was pretty. He didn't use the word wild, but I kind of deduced it from his stories. <laughs> he was a little wild <laughs> when he was young, but then his best friend's mom was like the Boy Scout leader. And then, so he, he somehow got into the Boy Scouts and then he got super into it. He, I think he became like the leader of his age group or something. And he was completely submissive and obedient to that lady. And like all the neighborhood people were just like, they couldn't believe it that Tom had become like so obedient all of a sudden. So that's a nice example of what he was like. Thank you again. Okay, so we can stop there. And if, if anyone like thinks of others, uh, if, if anyone remembers other things they've heard um, or has any questions or anything, um, you, you can put it on the Facebook post and we can continue the, um, bathing in the nectar of Guru Maharaj's life. Panchakalpatarubhyascha, Kripa Sindhu Bhyayvacha, Patitanam Bhavanibhyo, Vaishnavibhyo, Namonamaha, Shri Guru Maharaj Ki Jai.